Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Petropolis Podcast. I have a wonderful guest today, Roger De Gregory. De Gregory. <laughs> Roger's telling me how to pronounce his name properly, so we're going in the Italian way. De Gregory. Anyway, Roger is the president of Pet Yards and the Fish Gallery. Hey, Roger, what's up? What's going on, Taz? Thank you for having me on. This we we chatted briefly through the last two or three years, and it's really cool to connect on your podcast. And I'm excited to talk about the subjects you want to cover, as well as I got lots to say. We talked at the height of the pandemic when you had posted a little note about doing this pet yards concept in this empty big box space, and here we are, almost it's two years later and it's done. Tell me what's going on. Tell me about pet yards. Tell me about your vision. Tell me how your vision of changing the retail landscape brought you here. Well, it's, um, it's intertwined with a long history being in the pet industry, but on the aquatic side with my core business that got me here, which is fish gallery. And I, as a retailer and a business owner and operator and employer and all the other hats we can talk about for the next two days. It's brought me to the concept of the pet yards development, which is, you know, the conversion of what I consider um, underserved distressed real estate into multi-tenant pet centric um, owner operated businesses. Obviously most businesses in today's world need to be driven by service or it's very difficult to make it in retail. So, um, it's, it's retail and services. And so what I developed was a first multi-tenant location in Addison, Texas, which is a suburb of basically North Dallas. It's a prominent area. Um, it's well-liked and, and, and um, when you mention you're in Addison, it's well-received as well. So it, we have good traffic and got a great location. And we were able to deliver not only to my fish gallery brand, which is one of the tenants, but to the other three tenants, we were able to deliver prime real estate um, at below market rates in a, in a synergistic environment. And, and that's key for anyone that's running a business in 2023 or 2022 is that it's very difficult not only to pay these rents that are escalating, but then to go out and spend money trying to find people that want to do business, much less with the internet competition, how do you get them to pull in your par parking lot? So it's it it checks so many boxes and and it, so far the first one has been very successful and uh, we are working on number two and we're going to be doing plenty more of them. Okay, where are you looking? Can you talk about it a little bit? No, so we're currently doing. We have a property in the Galleria area in Houston, Texas, which we're currently converting, um, and it's it cur currently houses our fish gallery location. It's going to have a 9,000 square foot dog daycare and boarding facility. And then it's also going to have a, um, a urgent care vet center because it's, the space is not as big as the full animal hospital that went into Addison pet yards. The Galleria pet yards is going to be um, a smaller uh, vet tenant and roughly the same size dog daycare and boarding business. And there's a four space to be determined. So you're in the business of both real estate and pet. Is that That's correct? That's correct. Yes. So the being an entrepreneur in 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 the aquarium sector of our of the pet industry and, and growing this business, the one thing I did kind of fortunately figure out at an early age is that if you're not your own landlord, 
you're at the mercy of your landlord and it's better to, you know, have, have, have control your own destiny. And so, um, I've, I've always been intrigued with real estate construction development design. Um, so I've been able to kind of parlay my, uh, my, my modern day desires into, um, something that's become, I think, uh, it's going to be beneficial for me long-term as well as beneficial for others that are in the industry. And you can use the tenant, the animal hospital tenant, Cypher Animal Hospital, just opened in Addison Pet Yards. You know, these guys, first location outside of Houston. So they wanted to be in Dallas. It's their third location. I was able to make it financially possible for them because of the construction costs we were able to control as well as we were able to deliver them below market rents. It, they can't, it's when you start scaling, as you well know, when you scale, you lose your potency, if that's a, the word you want to say, as far as profit. And so, um, you know, in order for them to scale, they can't go to the corner of Maine and Maine and pay $60 a foot rent, or that's about right in New York on average, my, probably a lot, lot more, you know, or 50, 40 down here, you're going to be rent for, and it's, it's going to just, you, you're going to, you're going to get choked out too quick. So hmm. it, it afforded them the opportunity. Can you talk a little bit about what's happening in Texas with independent pet partners and um, the shakeup? Well, it, it's I, I've followed independent pet partners since they were put together four or five, four years ago. And I've also reached out to them. And every time I reached out to what the guy I thought was a CEO, that person had changed. So you kind of always thought there's something going on that's not going to be long term here. And so I really was reaching out them with them to do business. I wanted to see if they wanted to put one of their locations as a tenant in this pet yard or future locations. And um, I never got a response from anyone I reached out to. And so I followed it also because the Natural Paws brand that was started here in the Houston area that grew to 30 or 40 stores uh, was started by some people that I knew pretty well, Biff and Nadine in Texas. And, um, you know, I watched the takeover and I wanted to see how the consolidation went and how it worked. And and subsequently, I followed some of their new locations. They moved one location that's very near to my Houston store. And I watched them sign up for very expensive rent and with no parking. And I was like, I just scratched my head as an operator. And I'm like, how does this work? And the answer is, Taz, it doesn't work because <laughs> they're, they, they literally liquidated their acquisition of all the Texas stores. Now that's gotta be a pretty desperate move because anyone knows anyone that's in, in a discerning business person knows that Texas is on fire. I mean, everywhere is doing very well, but Texas in particular is a great market to be in and it's growing. And if you're just going to shed 40, 45 stores at liquidation value, something has gone wrong. And, and, and so um, uh, clearly the wheels came off in my opinion. I'm sorry. So it was related to real estate, you think, a part of it, their choices. No, and, I, what, what, what I, do you think? I think it was, they, they just, they were scaling and they were trying to do everything. They were trying to do last mile delivery. They were trying to do e-com. They were trying to do uh, expensive rents. 
um, when you've got guys in offices that are dreaming up stuff that really aren't hands-on on development, you've got expensive development costs. So they were just writing checks, in my opinion, that would that, uh, the shareholders were going to never see a residual from. And that's, hmm. that's the best way I can put it. Got it. So let's talk about this. Are, are your businesses and are you community community minded in your um, business development and how it, how you service your customers? Is, is it a community minded process that you have going there in oh, Texas? Absolutely. Well, for yeah, so we we you know again back to our fish gallery brand, which is a aquarium store like no other in the country. Um, we, we're very driven by, you know, um, the, the experience, experiential retail, as we all call it, it's extremely important. Um, you know, the thing that I always say over and over is you've got to have something that is special enough to get people to pull in the parking lot, because if you're not, if you just got some goods on the shelf that you can go to your couch and order, you're never going to go to the place. You have to have something that says, I want to go there. And, and in particular, the aquarium industry or the aquarium business has things that are very internet resilient, live animals, uh, aquarium furniture, aquarium showroom and design studio, um, you know, uh, decorating your aquarium interior and exterior. And then on top of that, we do a lot with families. We do a lot of birthday parties. We do uh, summer reading programs. We have a very desirable experience that's good for everyone because at the end of the day, our clients typically are going to be male, and this is the demographics most common, is male 35 to 60, let's say, because they used to have aquariums as kids because that's what they did. And now they have discretionary income, and now they're wanting to re-experience something they really enjoyed in their childhood. And, and with that being said, the, um, the wife, if there is a wife involved, doesn't have the same opinion of aquarium. She's got a very negative one. And in order for me to qualify, you know, the wife, as far as it getting her to accept an aquarium in her building, it's got to be something we call wife approved. It's got to be, it's got to look good. It's got to be professionally put together and it can't be a headache and it can't be a burden for anyone. And we, we solved a lot of that through the years. I assume you do house calls where you clean the aquariums and you make sure everything's ma maintained, you handle all the maintenance so that yes, the wives don't have any issue with. That's, managing the process and i don't want to insinuate that the wives are sitting at home the husbands are at work because in the modern <laughs> world there's both there are they're both you know uh, providers of income but they're also both decision makers but we all know that a a, a woman's uh domain is her house and mm -hmm. you, you just you don't the husband has to surrender on that <laughs> and and, and and so in that capacity, all I'm saying is if you're going to, if the wife is going to smile and allow you to put a five or 10 or $20,000 aquarium in the house, it's got to be something that's pleasant for the, for, for, for the, you know, interior or what have you that is going to allow that transaction to happen. And then we're just become really good at that. You said Texas is on fire. Yes. When you said, when you were talking about business in the pet industry. I assume you're you're addressing, right? Is that accurate? Yes. So Texas is on fire. It, it, things are booming. Business is good in Texas. Can you tell me why 
Texas, Houston specifically is such a shit show when it comes to animal welfare. There's so many animals abandoned and dumped. I know dozens of rescue groups who are dealing with dogs running around uh, neighborhoods who are just dumped or ignored. What are, do you do any kind of participation in helping that process or is your business a part of making things better in that, in that capacity? Well, I personally, I participated because my, my dog is, um, I have two dogs and they're both rescues. And one of them is a white German shepherd and I call him a pandemic pup because he grew up, he, they, he was a beautiful little white German shepherd and then they, you know, about nine months after getting him as a puppy, they so they found him tied to a tree somewhere because the people abandoned him. And so, uh, you know, it, it, I'm personally connected in that capacity because that dog is my best friend. And um, with that being said, you know, I, do I have a insider's opinion on why that we we have uh, dogs running wild here or breeders running wild or you know, I, I, I don't, I think it's just a lot of poor choices and, and there's, you know, there's, there's still, um, pet lands that are puppy mill, uh, resellers and there's, there's locations here that are just, you know, out of control when it comes to trying to protect. Um, so we, 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 we feel like, um, we feel like, you know, we, we want to help, but I don't have any great solutions for you. Hmm. And, but we do, we do, we do. So and what I wanted to say was through the yard dog daycare that's in Dallas, um, that we do, we do a lot of um, um, rescues that we allow to come in for free. We do uh, adoption events. We're going to do adoption events at all locations. Um, we are, we're not ones who um, promote um, the, the breeding that's going on. And, and, and we, we are big on, on, on rescues. And again, I have two of them. And one of them mm -hmm. is an English bulldog. They're both full breeds. They just, they were, they dumped. were not loved and dumped. And mm -hmm. I have, so I have an English bulldog, which I'd never thought in my life I'd own a bulldog. And her, it's a female. She just turned one. Her name is Beans. It, she's got my heart. I mean, Beans has my heart. And then my um, older, a little bit older white German shepherd, who's my running buddy. And he, he's relentless in making me walk him is his name is gringo and gringo is in paradise now and um he is um he's my best friend like the one has got my heart the other's my best friend are you going to be a global am i no we you know we've i've done global so many times through the years that i every time i go there of late i kind of resent going because it's the same thing and really you know, the dog section, which is not really my first love because I come from the aquatics background, um, is so overwhelming that, you know, I, I, I do walk it because I'm more inter intertwined in the dogs than I was four or five years ago. But from aquatics perspective, which is part of my core business still, it's, it's underwhelming. And that's kind of part of the problem with the industry and in that I and my, my number two guy, Dean, who's in the background listening to me talk to you, um, we're, we're trying to write the, uh, the opinion of, of the aquarium piece of our industry because everyone just looks at it as, as you know, smelly, stank goldfish bowl with, you know, um, undesirable furniture and, 
and and it you know it's just that's kind of, and that's to be honest we just drove through your your like we just went through new jersey and stopped at a store mm-hmm. and as we were working our way up to uh uh newport rhode island this week earlier in the week and what's being put out there is exactly what's indicative of people's opinion of it and it's not good and i, I guess i probably picked the wrong place in jersey you're going to tell me nothing's good in jersey <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I don't judge. This, but, I don't judge. But, you know, it's 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 really understanding the what the customer looks like, and you know what you want to deliver to the marketplace. And we have a very clear understanding of that. So that's really why we're heavily invested on the aquarium side because it's completely underserved, coast to coast, hundred percent. Do you think it's underserved because of the types of businesses that are? selling those fish and selling aquarium products like the Petco, PetSmart and how it's laid out. It's laid out for a hobbyist. But I mean, even like a, like a new hobby, well, somebody that's kind of new to the industry that doesn't get it or just. Well, there's, there's two, there's several groups that we encounter. And when we encountered all of them on this last trip up through the Upper East Coast is there's the first group that's completely defeated and blames PetSmart and Petco for everything. And okay. they're like, oh, they ruined it. And we don't even mess with selling X, Y, and Z because Pet, PetSmart owns that. And and we're just, we're rolling our eyes thinking, first of all, if you're trying to sell what PetSmart's got, you don't understand what's really going on out there. You are totally chasing the wrong ball. And um, the, the second sector of the industry that's that's really complicated that everything is is those that might be listening or yourself that are familiar with aquariums, everyone knows a saltwater aquarium is kind of the creme de la creme of having an aquarium. And so everyone who walks in the door of our store says, I want a saltwater aquarium. Well, that's, that's comes with tons of challenges and they're expensive and it's never been more expensive post pandemic. It's extremely difficult to maintain. It's highly corrosive. And it, and it has a very fast burnout and attrition rate of the customer base. And so what happens is, is the other sector is all the people that aren't smart enough to figure out that you're not creating a repeat customer and you're not creating uh, residual um, interest in the, in the, in the aquarium um, business by selling someone a burden and a headache. And so, um, but they still do it. Because it's 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 back to what I just said a second ago. It's the easiest thing in the art industry to sell is a saltwater mm-hmm. tank. Everyone walks in the door and wants it. So why would you actually change someone's mind that's already ready to buy? You just plow it into you know their home or you sell it to them. They take it with them or whatever, uh-huh. and then they and then the 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 disparity and distraught begins. But that's such bullshit. You know that's so unethical. You're you have to give them what the facts are when it comes to that kind of product if you give them the full perspective because most people are just looking at how beautiful it is i can't imagine how much work goes into maintaining a saltwater aquarium and making sure those animals living in that aquarium are healthy and taken care of and the money that goes into it so the people that are selling that you want them to be ethical in their mindset and the, the way they communicate the requirements and then provide a maintenance program and be a part of that maintenance program. So it keeps revenue coming in for you. And then you get, you get the, you get the people that actually want to do it, that care enough. 
Is that well, paid? Is that no, done? that's 100%. So what we do is we always, you know, we have great presentation in our store of different displays and stuff. And we always deliver as promised. And, and when you when you have someone spend a lot of money on an aquarium and then you deliver as promised, they're winning and I'm winning because I sold them the very expensive aquarium and they're getting exactly what they were told they were going to get. And, and the consistency is key. And so, you know, with, with, with a freshwater aquarium, which is a, our core part of our business, is um, it's, it's very easy to, to put that, lay the footwork or groundwork for long-term success. And, and just like you just said, every month that that service check is coming in or service payments coming, I'm in the bonus. And when I can keep them two, four, six, 10, in my case, in the Houston area, 30 plus years, I have clients that have been having, paying us to clean their aquarium that long. That's, that's, that's a huge, bent, you know, testament to what we're delivering to the marketplace. And the, the other, the other problem is, which we could spend a whole nother podcast talking about is now we got personnel problems. And when you talk about highly specialized saltwater aquariums, that's not something you just take some kid off the street that's bagging groceries and turn them into a saltwater service tech. You need you need you need people that have experience and that also are committed to the work that they're doing. And there's so many components that make it to to where it's it's un, unlikely that it's all going to align align and you're going to have some beautiful service program with this same service tech for any kind of extended period. So you're obviously very specialized and you travel all over to do maintenance work. Is that, is that why you no, were in the Northeast? What, what were we you do, doing up here? That, everything we do out of state's installation. Um, installation. So, so we were doing um, uh, Cheddar's restaurant down in um, Newark, Delaware. And mm -hmm. Cheddar's uh, Scratch Kitchen is based, is a Darden, uh, Darden owns, um, uh, Olive Garden, Longhorn Steakhouse, used to own Red Lobster. They're out of Orlando. They, they, uh, they are the parent company and we've done all the aquariums for their locations for 20 plus years. And, and it's all because the, the, the brand started in Texas before Darden acquired it. And I, I established a relationship with the original owners and it's been kind of a key component to their waiting area of their restaurants. So we did that location. So being in the Northeast, cruising around the Northeast and seeing some of these businesses that you went into and set up the aquariums for, how do you think, or do you think a pet yards type of setup would work in the regions you visited? You know, Delaware, New Jersey, Greenwich, I, Connecticut. I think it would be anywhere, but especially in the area that I see drastically underserved as the Northeast. I think it would be, you know, a huge success. And I, I believe that, um, you know, when you pull into a strip mall and in most cases, it's got a spattering of different types of businesses. It's very difficult. Sometimes that business gets swallowed up in that location. And maybe you're a groomer or maybe you're a, uh, uh, a pet store or whatever you are. But when you have like-minded tenants that are, uh, or like-minded consumers that are visiting multiple tenants at once, you know, it's obviously is going to create opportunity. And, you know, just last week, a couple of weeks ago, when we were doing the grand opening for the animal hospital in Addison, yeah, it was, it was just a special day for me because not only was I getting the animal hospital opened, 
but I was also uh, seeing kind of the completion of my Addison project come to fruition. And then as a, we're having a, a big sale at our uh, store that day, fish gallery, and as I'm walking through, there's a lady there buying a 20 gallon aquarium, not a big sale, but it was just a great introductory size aquarium. And she said, I've been going to the dog daycare next door and I've just been meaning to come over here and I'm finally made it in. And there she was spending $500. Let's just say that's the number. And it, mm -hmm. that was the best $500 I think I've earned in the last 20 years because it just really exactly resonated with me as to the reason that I put something like this together. Well, congratulations. I think, I mean, I told you this two years ago when I, when I read what you were doing, I was like, this would be friggin' awesome everywhere. It's, it's, you know, it's got some, uh, some challenges, but we're, we're working on putting it all together. And then back to the Northeast. I mean, it's, you've got a lot of, um, you've got a high density of people mm -hmm. and you've got a, a, a broad spectrum of, of consumers, you know, from, you know, blue collar to uber affluent and they're all pet lovers. It's just a matter of helping them, you know, put them in the right, uh, look, you know, um, Space. environment to, to, to figure out what's, what's suitable for them or for their house or what have you. This isn't just about aquariums. This is about, uh, vet services. This is about dog daycare. It's about grooming. It's about, you know, uh, general pet, all of that. It would, would excel in that environment. Yeah. I could just see like a bunch of my guests coming together and working with you to set up pet yards in Connecticut, like happy tails, cat, uh, daycare, cat, cat care. And then, Boarding, yes. Yeah. Dogtopia. You can put it all together. The animal hospitals just have a whole segment. It would be so cool. No, it'd be awesome. And, you know, the, the reality is, is that it's, um, we can, you know, there's places, let's say like PetSmart that try to do all of it under one roof, but we all know that they do it poorly. And there, there is no personal experience for you or your pet. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's it, when you can go to a, a similar location that has most of those services built into it, but you're dealing with individual owner operators or, you know, um, the actual vet themselves that owns the business or the dog daycare that you're leaving your dog with the board for a week. I mean, that's, that's really important that there's some strength in that confidence and relationship. Absolutely. I mean, if you have a pet supply store that can supply them with the foods they need or the pet owner's sure. foods that they need, it's just utilizing each other's resources and coming together to create this really profitable environment that feeds the need of the consumer. And the, the animal hospital in Dallas is already providing board of teleshots for those that aren't current for, for their dogs that drop off. And you got some frazzled owner that's you know three hours from catching a flight that's trying to drop their dogs off. And they're like, you know, we can't accept her. She's not current on board of tele. Well, that problem has been solved and they can pay the vet clinic $40 or whatever it is and they can go catch their flight. And um, and then there's similar situations like where they've done some boarding at the, I mean, not boarding, grooming at the dog daycare. We've got dogs that are aggressive during grooming that need to be slightly sedated. You know, that kind of stuff is, is being, that those services are being administered as well. So yeah, it's, awesome. uh, and then of course, the, all the other, you, you can imagine that happens naturally, you know, just yeah. the, the services you need. You got a great thing going. So 
Is one of your third locations going to be in the Northeast? I don't know, Taz. You know where I, where it's going to go. I just know it's going to work everywhere, and it doesn't it doesn't dis discriminate. It it can it can work in a small town of let's say Lexington, Kentucky, of three hundred thousand. If that's how many people are there, or to the great Northeast that's got people living on top of each other, which it's there's people everywhere. And I love I love that part of the country, and uh, I really got to admire it over the last few days. And you know you've got Texas that is um, got more more land and cattle than people, but um, it's uh, but it's 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 as we talked about it's booming and it's doing very well and people are moving here and and there there's a a higher uh, I we believe there's a higher uh, availability of discretionary income because our cost of living is less and and um, so it does allow people to get external services or uh, maybe that $5,000 fish tank that they wouldn't be able to get if they were living in a higher uh, uh, cost of living place like California or New York or wherever. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, it's certain, there's got to be truth to that. But um, if it's, if if somebody wants to do the pet yards model, is there something specific? I mean, could someone just come in and do it on their own without? coming to you I mean, certainly someone could come up with um you know their own name and 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 do their own development and i i think it's been done in certain degrees there's you know maybe a, a, a wild birds unlimited next door to a, a a dog groomer next door to a vet i mean i think that's going on but i i, I don't think the the thought process has been put into the development and the marketing and and the the synergy that's really we're really trying to capture and and through the through the you know again the birthday parties we have at fish gallery the adoptions we do in the parking lot to you know a spring festival we'll do food trucks will show up i mean it's really to try to uh bring people together and you know like-minded people in a, in a nice family-friendly environment that's that's what it's about and do all the businesses at Pet Yards participate in all those events together? Is the planning done together or one group does it and others? And, okay. And, and it's not, it's not um, a mandatory thing and it really doesn't come at a cost to them. It's, it's part of the development. Now, if they want to have their own tent set up and have staff out there to talk to people, of course, well, that's their staff and that's their cost. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's really, you know, it's it's part of it's part of the package, if you will. Hmm. In in New York, anyway, in the Northeast, a lot of people just I I've worked with retailers who look for vets to be near or look for doggy daycares to open near, so they can feed off of the um, business that the other you know the doggy daycare has, and. Yep. There's barely ever any communication made between the retailer and let's say the veterinary clinic. They don't go introduce themselves. They don't have a conversation about uh, how much business do you have? When are your busiest hours? There's no conversation. I've been on multiple ride-alongs with retailers. We're looking to expand and grow their businesses. And I ask them, well, did you talk to that doggy daycare to see how many dogs they have coming in? Are they selling any food? No, but they're open. They've been here for two years. <laughs> and it's really no, interesting that they don't do the due diligence, but they want to just open up and feed off 
the business that's present as opposed to coming together and creating a space where you can float float each other for the right. best. And that's that's um that's true with all industries and all people now. We've become insular and you know we just don't really um get together like we used to. And then I think the pandemic is is been problematic for that, but I think that mold can be broken. And on the aquarium piece side of the industry that we we are heavily invested in, we are doing exactly that. We're trying to bring people together. We don't need you when we walk in the store or, or get you on the phone. We don't need you to be guarded and act like I'm there to steal your trade secrets because th there are none. And it's and it's like with my business, my my business, we're one of the most successful stores group of stores in the country. And it's be, and we're an open book and, and we'll share with anyone what we're doing and, and help them be successful because I need people out there putting out good products. Otherwise, we're going to all go out of business. One last question, if you could um, kind of enlighten me. Pet Supplies Plus, they're all over. Yes. Right. Um, and they have the aquarium side. They do a nice, nice job of that. I don't know how sure. it compares to... Um, it's not my specialty, that's for sure. Um, and they have birds. They have a nice variety. Animal, um, reptile. Yeah. So where do they sit as far as you're concerned with within the industry? What do you think of the way they do I, their business and run their business? I think that they're moving in the right direction. And I think that they're they're picking premium locations and they understand what their core customer looks like and they obviously are you know running businesses for profit the way they're expanding what's different between them and let's say uh the ipp stores independent pet partners i think that the, the, their diversity exactly what you spoke of they you know have the dog wash they do grooming they have an aquarium section they have a reptile section they have a bird section um and and their staffing usually seems to be good. So I think I think that they check a lot of boxes that, that are necessary. Um, but it's it's still, you know, a business that I'm sure is constantly being uh, reevaluated and reworked in order to change as the um, as we grow through through 2023 and it's, we're gonna blink our eyes and it's gonna be 2024. And we all need to be able to, as everyone's like to say the last few years, pivot and you know, be able to understand what's next. And so um, I think that there's, they're doing a good job and they're probably thinking about what's around the corner and how to continue and improve. Okay, that wasn't my last question now that you've mentioned this. Um, what do you think is around the corner for the pet sector? What are you I thinking? Think, I think a lot of prosperity. I think that we're, you know, everyone knows that the, the dogs are the darling of the industry. And, you know, when it comes to uh, private equity money and investors, you know, you just mentioned dog and they, they get excited. They, 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 uh, they have seen the explosion as you have and I have. And um, I think the dog piece of the business is going to cool a little bit, but I believe that um, all other areas of it are going to continue to improve because we're all doing so much at home. And of course, I'm speaking from the aquarium piece to reptile to a small animal, bird. Um, but doesn't mean that when dog cools, it's 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 downgraded. I mean, dog is so on 
fire, as I like to say earlier about Texas, that it can cool and still be, you know, clearly the, the king of our industry and will always be the king of our industry. Where does Cat, how come no one talks about Cat? Cat is. That's true. I didn't mention Cat. I, 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 I love Cat, the Cat piece of the business. We have a Cat. Dean that's next to me has a three-legged cat that he's proud of. Um, so he's, uh, he's a cat owner. But, you know, cat people, they're different. And they, 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 they need to learn to, you know, embrace the other pet animal lovers in the industry. So uh, I, I like cat, though. Uh, okay, you didn't, because cat people spend money. And they spend yeah. good money. Yes. And they're open to variety. They're, um, their needs are barely addressing. If I had a retail store again, I would never bring in cat litter. I'd say go buy it from Chewy, but come and buy all your specialty goods that Chewy doesn't know how to guide you with. Yes. I'm like, I don't make no money. Yeah, there's no money to be made in litter. Screw that. I, I mean, we, we talked about it. And so, you know, we meant, you know, just not to segue away from cats, because I want to say a couple things, but, the, but we talked about early on about Amazon and delivering back, you know, 80 pound bags of dog food and early on when you and I started chatting a few years ago and, and you, you're like, they can have all that business that's going to the 30th floor of some condo in downtown Manhattan because there's no money in that. Let, mm -hmm. let them tote that there. That's not, that's not ever what's going to make your business successful it, it, in the current market. What you need to focus on is, is the specialty products, whether it's really cool collars or whether, whether it's, uh, you know, cat cat dip bar or dog bar or whatever it is that you have inside of there that's going to bring people in that you really can't touch and feel on Amazon. And so right. same and, and services, services, and services, everything has to be driven with services. The days of any just only Louis Vuitton and these high flute designer brands can carry just goods and and pay expensive rents. If you're not providing goods and services, then you're, you're just simply not, I don't see how you do it, honestly. I, I, I don't know of any brand that's going to just sell box goods and make it, unless it's completely proprietary, like a Lululemon. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm going out of industry. No, but, but it's true. Yeah, you, ha you have to be one of those. Lululemon, there's, there's some other brands you can name. Those are the only ones that can carry their own weight. And, but even Lululemon, like here in Houston, they're doing this massive five-story in a very affluent area, I don't know what you call it, but let's just call it the ultimate Lululemon experiential retail. They got a yoga studio, a Pilates studio. They got a, I believe, a smoothie and health bar on the roof, and you know, outdoor seating. And you know, it, it's and of course their their main core business is selling clothes, but they're they're spending millions and millions of dollars with, on on this development. And it's got everything, including clothes. Clothes are probably not what's going to bring people there because everyone already kind of knows what they like Lulu or not. If they're going to order it, they can probably order it blindfolded. So that that's what they figured out is that if I don't get people in to come do some Pilates class or or whatever it is, and I'd have to Google it. And I'll email you a link to it later. But it's the, <laughs> the Lulu Superstore. But but it's that's exactly cool. what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to really look at what's going on outside of our, our own market to see how we need to move and adjust 
Because if you don't bring people in, you're not going to sell product. And you know, when you have ads like the Farmer's Dog Super Bowl ad, everyone's saying how great it is. In the Northeast, all I hear from retailers is, oh my God, they're going to take our business. Dude, they're not going to take your business. Farmer's Dog will not take your business. The consumer will buy it the first time around at 50% off. And then after that, they're going to look for other stuff. They'll go to Just Food for Dogs because it's similar and a little less expensive and they can pick and choose bits and pieces. They'll come to your store. If you don't have some products that are going to meet the consumer's needs, you're going to lose those customers back to the Petco Just Food for Dogs. But just because Farmer's Dog did it, it's an opportunity for these retailers to take um, take their business to the next place. Yeah, Farmer's Dog is wonderful. They have synthetic vitamins. You can actually, it's like canned food in your freezer. How about getting right. something that has no synthetic vitamins? That's all complete and balanced without those. Like, you know, there are plenty well, of brands on well, the market. I feel like this might be a paid advertisement for Farmer's Dog. So <laughs> no, I actually, I'm downplaying Farmer's Dog. It's like, <laughs> It's a can of food in the refrigerator. You're really not you know, doing I, much with it. I know that, that that's a, that a huge business. And clearly the Super Bowl commercial it, it, it illustrated that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's back to the, the, the retailer understanding what they're, how they're going to reach their customer and how they're going to get them, as I like to say over and over, pull in the parking lot. And, you know, if you just surrender to Farmer's Dog and say, okay, this fresh foods cooler is going out in the dumpster because I give up. Farmer's dog is going to own the market. Well, then you, 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 need, you need to just close shop and go go work for someone else because you're never going to make it. If you're not going to figure out how to tur turn that, you know, opportunity into cash for you or, you know, a way to drive business. Um, it's, it's easy to be defeated. I mean, you know, we all spent years and years talking about Amazon and now Amazon's kind of gotten a free pass because they're they're here they're the trucks are swirling down my street every day my wife orders more from Amazon than anyone I know and I I used to chastise her but now I just like I'm, I surrendered so I did surrender to Amazon so I shouldn't talk but at the end of the day you know the that, that that's going to happen. Amazon is, is going to do what they're going to do. Amazon has its own challenges. They're, they're not the, quite the darling they were three or four years ago because their delivery cost is so far high up. Their, 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 their payroll, now that they drive all their own trucks, the accidents, all of those things are complicating them running a business just like they complicated for me or anyone else. I mean, I think the delivery business is so on red hot it's whatever it's deliver whatever food amazon walmart um chewy we can talk about all of them but i think it's so red hot but i think there's a lot of a lot of inner evaluation going on of like how much does this really make sense for us and is, mm -hmm. is this really gonna you know influence our bottom line and, and in a lot of cases it's like in walmart's case it's a market share grab but they're just losing money they're hemorrhaging cash because they want to they want that business, but they can afford to do it. But anyway. Afford to throw money out. People can afford to throw money out. These big global corporations can. That's the big thing. That's why we need pet yards because the little guys that are 
it, it out here on boots on the ground at street level, we can't afford to do it. If, if, if your checkbook doesn't balance and you don't make payroll this Friday, which happens to be Friday, your, your employees are not going to show up tomorrow. I mean, you, you, we can't go to the bank and say, Hey, we want a quick line of credit. It doesn't work like that. You gotta, you gotta keep that, that machine churning. Yeah. And you keep the community churning also, you keep them coming yes. in and you keep businesses alive. You keep other local businesses alive. So that's where independence can just be so impactful. I wish that more would just grow some bigger balls and kind of go for it and not be so afraid. So well, I think, <laughs> I think that they're, 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 it's happening. I, I don't, I, not fast enough, but I think it's happening. I think the IPP is a great example of how a, uh, a roll up and what they tried to do doesn't work. And, and I don't know, I can't really pinpoint what they do wrong it would be, um, it would be inappropriate for me to say because I don't really know. I just, from my observations, I, um, I only know what I know. And, and as a business operator, I can see where the, the, there was definitely some thorns in what they were trying to do. Hmm. Okay. Roger, do you want to leave us with anything today? Taz, I'll say that, you know, you're, you are very much a pioneering woman for, for you're, you're, you're the, you're, you're leading the, the, the fight for the independence. And I love that about you. And I think you truly still believe there's a lot of hope. And then I, and I'm on this podcast with you because I agree. I think that there is a massive amount of opportunity. It's just getting people to recalibrate how they do business and understand what the marketplace looks like, whatever industry you're on, maybe it's not even the pet industry and just, you know, make it happen. And it's, 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 it, you can do it. And so, and I think you're the biggest cheerleader for all of us.